Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Trino Community Broadcast, episode 47. We're getting up to a nice, neat round number pretty soon here. Uh, my name is Cole Bowden. You may have seen me before on the Trino Community Broadcast. I'm joined here by Manfred. Manfred, how are you doing today? Good, good. Rocking the bunny as usual, right? So all is happening. <laughs> yeah, so today we've got a little bit of a different episode. Uh, normally, with the Trino Community Broadcast, we like to highlight new things coming to Trino in terms of technology, code, features, connectors, or external things in the ecosystem. Uh, today, we're going to talk about two new maintainers in Trino. Um, so Manfred and I will be your hosts, but we've also got one guest, James Petty. And Manfred, you're kind of a guest this episode in addition to being a host. You're straddling the line between co-host and guest because you're a maintainer. Yeah, it's 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 been an honor to, to be selected and um, we'll see what, what comes out of this, right? <laughs> but let's get James on. Oh, we're gonna go through the releases first. We gotta do the we gotta do the normal the normal rigmarole, don't we, Manfred? All right, I guess we'll talk about the news. Yeah. And as it's usual, been a little like... while since our last episode. So we've had that's six whole releases since uh we lasted a Trino community broadcast episode. So um, yeah, it's good to be back on that like weekly cadence. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I was kind of like going, "This is not starting so well," but we got it. Like this is good. Yeah. Even though, we... even though the four sixteen release this week was kind of a like, well, not a very loud one. <laughs> Let's just <laughs> <laughs> maybe the quietest Trino release in recent memory. But uh, we've had some really good ones, and there was a lot of code in the four sixteen release, just not a lot of user facing results, but. Yeah. Starting from the top here with 4.11, um, we had a migrate table procedure. That was actually a PR of the episode for the last episode, I think, um, which converts a hive table to iceberg. So if you're sitting on a hive table and you want to make it iceberg format instead, Trino can now migrate it by simply calling migrate. Um, and several improvements to that have followed up in 4.12, 4.13, and 4.14. So make sure you're on the latest version if you want to take advantage of that. Um, there are some relatively impactful bugs with the procedure that are solved and it is now more performance so and also uh, users obviously then get advantage of the iceberg format once they migrate right so that yes. it's definitely worth doing and from the last Trino summit and uh, other events we know that people will very much appreciate it being much easier now with this procedure so makes cool. Trino on ice that much simpler to run that's right uh we've added Join and like push down to the Ignite connector. That was our topic of the last episode. More follow-ups with that. So the Ignite connector getting better and faster. Delete and Ignite now possible. There is a new procedure table function for executing sort procedures in SQL Server. Um, this is taking advantage of the fact, if you remember our polymorphic table functions episode, um, Kasha has been hard at work on this. We now have operators to process table functions that don't just push down entire queries. So... Uh, table functions have been rolling out in various connectors in Trino over the last few months. Um, we have faster join queries over high bucket of tables, faster planning for tables with many columns. Uh, moving on to 4.12, you can see again table functions. There's an exclude columns table function, which I believe selects from a table, but allows you to skip over columns without having to do select A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, but then not K, L, M, N, O, P. Um, you can just say select, don't take K. Yeah, uh -huh. and it's kind of amazing how how that is actually very, very useful because when you look in the practical world out there, there is lots of people that have tables with like 
like hundreds of columns where you're like, what model is this? But it, it does happen all the time. So this is very helpful. Yeah, and it's it's just nice to be able to shorthand things and make your queries not look like behemoths of many, 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 many entries. So uh, add column added to Ignite. Um, we added support for table comments in PostgreSQL uh, and faster some distinct queries for various connectors. Um, in 4.13, we added merge to Phoenix. We added table comments to the Oracle connector, so more table comments rolling out. Uh, an improved performance of queries involving window functions or match recognize. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about that later in this episode. Uh, in 4.14, we added experimental support for tracing using open telemetry. Uh, we added support for Databricks 12.2 and the Delta Lake connector, support for fault tolerant execution and redshift. So you can now do those ETL workloads and redshift in Trino. Uh, we added a sequence table function. Uh, 4.15 and 4.16 have been on the quieter side in terms of flashy things, there's been a lot of code in them. Uh, it's not that they're light releases, it's just that most of what's happening in them have been these kind of small performance improvements. Um, so if you take a look, you can see um, not the biggest in terms of release notes. And if you go to 4.16, very gentle. <laughs> I think but, there's one thing that we need to point out, though. I'm not sure when it happened. Was it 15 or 14 when the default access control was changed? So basically, when users use a security uh, access control, a file-based one, that is the default. Um, this no longer allows the graceful node shutdown via the REST API, which is often used in Kubernetes and stuff like that. Um, the documentation includes how to work around that by either resource group setup or just choosing a different uh, security control system. So it depends on what you're using. If you're using a default, however, that is now a little bit of a breaking change in that one very narrow use case. So keep yeah, that in mind. Can be important when updating. We uh, can work on that a little bit in terms of highlighting breaking changes with like red flashing lights more. I think that's yeah, no, no, no. We don't want animated gifts, Joe. Cool. <laughs> animated gifts on the release notes. You don't want that, Manfred. Like, what about like <laughs> spinning sirens that are like? Whoa. I mean, I used to do that in the past, but that was like in the nineties, man. <laughs> like with the shovel and stuff like that. I think we had the uh, embedded sound effects with like no volume slider, so we just jump scare people when they try to go to our website. Yeah, at the blink tag. I know. Let's not. <laughs> Let's talk about James and and myself getting other stuff happening. Yeah. So <laughs> release is out of the way. Uh, again, the point of today is that we've added two new maintainers to Trino. So, yay! Look who it hey, is. How's it going? It's, it's James. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I think the community probably isn't going to be, at least the outward facing community, is probably not going to be super familiar with you, James. I think internally, anyone who's ever contributed code to Trino probably knows who you are because you are the Bob Ross man. Uh, if you've ever <laughs> seen the warm, smiling face of Bob Ross when adding code or reviewing pull requests on Trino. That was James, but that's me. Introduce uh, yourself. I, Tell us a little bit about you. Sure. Uh, so my name's James. I'm a senior engineer at AWS working on Athena. Um, I've been contributing to Trino for the last uh, about four years at this point. Um, and I am based out of New York. And then Manfred, you're always here, but I don't think you've introduced yourself in a little while. So you want to you wanna give us a little bit of details about Manfred the person instead of Manfred the Trino developer advocate? 
Sure. Um, what can I say? I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I've been a computer hacker since I started with the Commodore 64 and Commodore Amiga way back when um, and been on the internet since forever, got into open source and over, year, over the years fell into various open source projects and the last four plus years I've been very, very involved in Trino. Write the book and just like that and work with other maintainers and uh, contributors to make Trino the awesome project that it is now, hopefully, and make it better and better every day. So I think the first question a lot of people might have is, what is a maintainer? Why is this a big deal? Like, what should we, what, why do we care about this? Um, either, one of you want to, either one of you want to take a stab or should I just like pull up the Trino website roles page so that we can go read the super boring giant description? Uh, I think it'll be interesting to both me and James chime in what we think a maintainer is and then compare to the reality. Yeah, then we can compare to the official definition. So James, what do you think we got out of this? Uh, sure, sure. I mean, I've had the description read to me more or less indirectly through Martine a few times at this point. So um, maintainers overall are responsible for the quality of the project and the overall process. So uh, for conducting code reviews, making sure that submissions are in line with the community standards and ultimately uh, we are able to approve and then merge code uh, directly. So that's the sort of unique responsibility. Andrew, what's your stab at this? Yeah, um, I think one thing that I want to clarify about the maintainership, it, maintainership is uh, a very much also a outward-facing role for the Trino project as a community of other contributors, right? Like without the maintainers, no code gets merged. So the maintainers automatically need to very much be collaborative, working with other contributors reviewing pull requests, but also attracting more people, making the website like, you know, friendly, working on Slack, talking to people, attracting them to the project and all those kind of efforts. And obviously I'm doing that on the Trino DevRel side. Very often maintainers are also very deeply technical and write a lot of code and know the internals of Trino. Well, I'm probably the worst of these. Uh, like I probably know the least of the code base. Um, James is more on the on the deep end there, but I'm I'm focusing more on the like you know documentation and helping users and all those kind of aspects and all of those things are hopefully important for the community to be successful. Before we go to the formal definition, I wanted to add we have comments from Jan Was. So, uh, sequence table function doesn't have a limit of returning over up to ten thousand values as the array sequence function does. So the table function in it's it's unlimited and also faster, and then he. Oh my God! Ten k values. That's <laughs> that's not that many. <laughs> In a larger perspective, not. But like I, I see ten k. That's a pretty small limit. Uh, yeah. He also has a complaint that James doesn't look like his GitHub avatar at all. <laughs> yeah. So so we that's might want to pull. We might want to pull this up. And also, I think. Uh, Either, either you, James, or Cole, you need to explain to our international audience who Bob Ross is. Because me, for having an Austrian background, I had no idea. I learned now, but like it's actually very cool. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Bob Ross and, and how you chose him as an avatar? Sure, sure. So Bob Ross was a painter who uh, was on TV in 
want to say maybe starting in the 70s up into the early 90s uh, and he would do paintings live and uh, try to encourage the audience to follow along and uh, try to sort of teach painting to normal people. I think the show is called The, the Joy of Painting. Um, and so there is Bob Ross and The Joy of Painting. Um, that is a big so... rush for this picture. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. He's big on big on a lot of big brush and knife painting techniques, um, but he has a lot of phrases that are very memorable. Like uh, you know, we don't make mistakes, we make happy accidents. Um, and so I chose the avatar in that vein. Uh, one of the companies that I started working for initially, uh, one of the lessons was to uh, not get too worked up or bent out of shape if you accidentally deployed something to production that broke things, uh, because those are always learning experiences. And so you know, you know how to avoid causing that same problem again. So not mistakes, but happy accidents where the happiness comes from learning not to do it again. Or how <laughs> that reminds again. me of my mess up. As soon as I became a maintainer, I had a PR <laughs> going that I was very excited about. And um, I ended up merging it without approval from another maintainer. I had approval from other people, but not another maintainer. And I was excited about it going in and I merged it. <laughs> And I promptly had the learning exercise that I shouldn't be doing that. But I took it as an opportunity for improvement and fixed up the documentation around that process. So. It wasn't a mistake. It was a happy little accident. Exactly. Yeah, That's it's cool. uh, Bob Ross, I really like. Uh, I'm too young to have seen his TV show like on TV. But he showed up. It was on Twitch.tv, which we're currently streaming to among LinkedIn and YouTube. Uh, they did The Joy of Painting all the way through on Twitch in like one month. Um, and I watched a lot of it. <laughs> it's really peaceful. So it's kind of yeah, funny because hard to turn off. Yeah, yeah watching also... Twitch chat uh, spam ruined when he would add a new splotch of color and then saved as Bob Ross's vision slowly came to fruition was a great time. So <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Like um, I found out that my, my kids actually watch some of those videos in school. So it's it's definitely a very like cultural icon here in North America. It seems so. It's cool. Well, in any case, we have to get back to the the original question of what is a maintainer. Yeah. So did we get it right? I I think so. So I, I've got right here. I'll highlight it. This is the official definition. So for those of you who don't know, the Trino website has a lot of fun pages documenting how the project is governed and run. Um, we have a roles page, which I'm not going to click on right now because this is already copy pasted from it. But you can go read about all the various roles in Trino. Um, so our formal definition is a maintainer is responsible for merging code, but only after ensuring it has been reviewed thoroughly, aligned with the Trino vision and guidelines. And then they actively participate in discussions and reviews. It doesn't give you additional rights. You don't get to be like Superman with more power. Um, you don't get to set direction unless it aligns with the direction of the project in and of itself. Um, so the other cool thing is the technical addendum of a maintainer is an individual, not a uh, job or a seat at a company. So it's about you, the person that has done well for Trino, rather than uh, the company hiring an engineer that has done well for Trino. So. If you change sure. jobs, you still get to maintain the role. Though if you change jobs and stop working on Trino, um, you may eventually lose it due to inactivity. Um, I put my own spin on things down here, which is to say a maintainer is a trusted individual with merge rights. 
And then uh, to quote Uncle Ben from Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, so there's higher standards for code cleanliness, for maintaining the vision of the project, and an expectation to be an active steward. Um, Manfred, do you know how long it's been since the previous maintainers were added? I wrote it's been over a year as a cop-out, and I didn't bother trying to figure it out. because I honestly don't know who the last maintainers were that were added before us, but a couple of years I've been in the Trino project for four plus years now, and I don't remember anyone in that time frame. James, do you have an idea? I know it's been a while. I don't know who the most recent addition would have been or when that would have happened. So, so I don't think they were being memory. used in these things yet. Yeah. <laughs> Which but is I part think of why this is like a big deal. And we're, we're doing an episode to celebrate the addition of two new maintainers. Is It's been forever since we've added new maintainers. So we get yeah, to drop up a little bit. Of hype, yeah. Jan has commented that he thinks Yuya, which is also who I would think it would be, um, but Yuya was added before I started working on Trino, so I couldn't say when. Um, but so the question is then, in addition to what is a maintainer, is how do you become a maintainer? What what does it take? How did we get here? Um, so we'll start with Manfred, but then James. First question is just. When did you first start working on Trino? Um, well, actively working a lot on it, probably four-ish years ago, when I started working at Starburst. But uh, friends of mine have been involved in the Maven ecosystem quite a lot. And I'm a Apache Maven committer and used to do Apache Maven training. And one of the example projects that I used in my training classes on how to set up a large complex multi-module project was Trino. So I've been following the code, code base for quite a lot longer, but only as a sort of like external observer or not, not in the deep, deep, deep details. So, and then obviously since then I've been, you know, writing the book and doing a lot of Trino developer relations work and a lot of documentation and learning more and more about it. So, and James, but there's always more to learn. That's what James is sitting. He's like more in the deep depth details. I think James has a whole story about this. So, sure, sure. So, I looked through my first Trino pull request, and that would have been almost exactly four years ago at this point. Uh, that's May 30th of 2019 is when that merged. Um, so, I got involved with Trino. Um, when I first joined AWS, which was in January of that 2019. Uh, and the first project that I worked on was what became known as Athena V2. Um, and so that was initially taking all of the changes that Athena had made internally on top of the version of, the, of Presto at the time uh, that Athena was based on, um, that we had made over the course of two years of being in production, bug fixes, performance improvements, what have you, but that hadn't been contributed upstream, um, and trying to port them on top of a Presto code base that itself had been moving uh, quite rapidly for two years since uh, we had last updated. And so uh, that was a process of trying to make sure that that was as painless as possible if we had to do it again, um, and taking all of the things that weren't sensitive, that were just you know bug fixes, very straightforward things, and contributing them upstream. Um, and at the time, we were aware of uh, what became Trino as well. Um, and we were watching sort of both communities, not sure about um, what 
was going to happen, how it was going to develop. And so for a long time, it was uh, taking changes and contributing them both to Presto and Trino since, you know, the future was unknown at that point. And uh, we wanted to make sure that, you know, wherever we decided to go with that, we would have the fixes that we needed and didn't need to do the same work again. Um, so that is how I started contributing. Yeah, that's it's very nice to see that AWS is like really collaborating with the open source projects and contributing upstream. It it works ultimately for everyone, right? Like helps the community of these projects, helps AWS, helps everyone else that uses those projects to just ensure larger test coverage and better performance for everyone. So it's it's very nice. It's very cool. Yep, do absolutely. I and I do need to caveat that by saying that everything that I'm saying here today, uh, all of my opinions and thoughts are my own and not those of my employer. I am not authorized to speak on behalf of AWS or uh, anybody else. But um, yeah, the the desire is wherever possible to contribute what we have because there's a maintenance cost to us too, and it's it helps the whole community. Um, and especially on Athena, you know, people use Athena, but they also use Trino itself. They use it on EMR. You know, the the surface area of the way that Trino gets used within the broader AWS ecosystem. Um, it's better if we can share the improvements with all of those environments instead of sort of siloing them out. Yeah, and it's, it's nice to be able to sort of like have one sort of project that works in the center of all this because it also makes it easier for all the client tools that interact with these platforms. It makes it easier for the users because there's one SQL standard sort of implemented with the various SQL functions and stuff like that. So. It's, it's very good. I like it. My, my fun jab is that I've actually been in, in the project for a year longer than either of you. I started five years ago. And then I took like a three and a half year hiatus. So like I don't actually. Yeah, so that, that doesn't count then. <laughs> <laughs> I, I interned on Presto from inside Facebook five years ago. So some of my code. During those two years of fast movement that uh, Athena hadn't been updated, some of my code snuck in there. Um, it's fun. So, so, so you're saying we have to get you a bit more into the code and then vote for you as a maintainer in one of the next hey, days? <laughs> we, if you ignore the part where I wasn't involved, I've been here longer. So maybe I should be the maintainer. He said. Maybe. We'll, we'll talk about it in another episode. Right? Yeah, for, for anyone who, who maybe didn't pick up on that, I, I shouldn't be. These are the maintainers. I, I don't. <laughs> I've not been involved nearly as much as they have. <laughs> oh yeah, that's one. That's one thing I wanted to mention about that as well. So for the for those of you out there that are interested who the maintainers are and stuff, um, Cole mentioned the roles page on the website. That page now also includes a list of the maintainers. So all right, I'll, I'll show that off. And there is also a at maintainers team mention available on Slack. And obviously, you can also find the GitHub handles so you can mention these people um, as necessary. One thing we want to also do about this is um, probably expose a bit more what the special sort of skills or like focus area of, of various maintainers are, because obviously the surface area of Trino is very, very large um, and different people have different focus. Like maybe James, you want to tell us what's what's your sort of like focus on like what PRs have you done? What's your, like, I'm guessing you don't know much about, I don't know, the JMX connector or, some, or the memory connector or something like that. You probably, your probably focus is more on the like heavier duty side of things. Um, I think I may be sort of the least specialized, more 
most general uh, as a maintainer that I'm aware of, just in terms of uh, the things that I've touched because, you know, the initial project of trying to do Athena V2 was there were changes everywhere. You know, like we had done stuff all over the place involving JMX, involving whatever. And so uh, that gave me a lot of breadth exposure. Um, but there are definitely still parts of the, you know, of the planner that scare me and that I try to avoid touching unless I absolutely have to. Um, and usually when I do, then there is a list of people uh, that I would reach out to to double check my work on some of those things. So um, definitely as a code contributor, that would be useful to have a mapping of like who's sort of an expert in certain areas, because that's something that definitely like I have personally developed in the process of contributing is figuring out if I'm talking about this specific change to the hive connector or to the planner or, you know, something I have a pretty good idea which one or two maintainers should be looking at that or who could help me with that. Um, and it's different depending on what the change is for sure. Yeah. And we want to, we want to work on that a little bit more, get that out there because obviously it makes it easier for the maintainers to collaborate, but it also makes it easier for other contributors when they end up with a PR, they don't have to like, you know, blast everyone of the, the maintainers to, get feedback when there's only one or two people that know about a specific connector. So, right, like ultimately there will be connectors that you have never touched and you don't maybe know how to even test that because there is the test infrastructure or trying to run it locally is sometimes painful, right? So, yeah. Best connector, by the way, black hole connector. It just it just pipes everything to Defnal. It it gets rid of it. It's very funny. I love that it exists. <laughs> um, so another question for both of you. Um, I think this time we'll start with James and then go to Manfred. But what's been your proudest contribution to the project? Like, what's the biggest or the best or just the coolest thing you have been able to contribute to Trino that you would brag about? Um, I think there are a few that, that would make a, a relatively short list. I think, um, you know, given the sort of deployed footprint of uh, Trino, certainly within services like Athena, but within um, any environment, uh, finding significant performance improvements is, is rewarding, you know, um, improving the overall experience and cutting CPU cycles, um, you know, all over the place. So um, there have been a few contributions that made a pretty significant dent in uh, performance problems for specific but common use cases. So um, being able to disable gzip compression for the query results path was itself about a 50% throughput uh, yield for if you're just doing like a select star query where the bottleneck is all uh, and sending query results themselves through. Um, weighted split scheduling uh, was a couple of years ago at this point, um, and that significantly improved performance if you are dealing with a lot of small files, which you shouldn't do if you want your queries to perform well, but it does happen and it's not always in your control. And so that was somewhere to, for some situations up to like a 4x throughput um, improvement. Wow. Um, things along those lines, I would say, are, but it's hard to pick just one of those. That's a that's a good answer. Also, forex improvements like a that's a big number. <laughs> Normally, you know, yeah. it's like if you can get like a three percent improvement, you're like, yeah. If you can get like a 02 percent improvement in the core engine, like that's one of the most massive improvements you could ever get. So, four hundred percent on even if it's something more specific is is crazy to me. Um, yeah, I always I find I'm very impressed when like someone pulls up a pull request where they're like, yeah, this benchmark now runs twenty three percent faster. I'm just like, that's crazy. Like. 
that we're still making these massive leaps. Like there's so much room to improve, even a good fast technology to become even faster. Um, Manfred, what's what's your proudest contribution? Is it Docs? Is it something else? I'm going to have to say docs like I, I uh, like together with Martin and Matt, I wrote the book, see the definitive guide. And that's got a lot of traction, opened up a lot of uh, new users also with a Starburst helping us giving the digital copy out for free and continuing to do so. I think that's been tremendously useful. Um, the docs obviously is a constant chipping away and we got a lot of in process improvements out there, but I also think just the events we've been doing, I think has been, have been really, really awesome. Like the, like Trino summit, Trino fest upcoming again, and uh, the Trino community broadcast, all these kind of like online activities and stuff. I think they are ultimately bringing in users from all around and attracting interest into Trino. And I think that's ultimately super good because the more people use Trino, the more people find problems, the more people find use cases that it's useful for, find edge cases and, and let us know and help us out and improving it even more. And I think this collaboration is going to ultimately result in a huge success for Trina. And that's what I want. <laughs> I feel like writing a book is a pretty good answer to what's a thing you're proud of. Not everyone can say they've written a book and gotten it published. So I'm a, I'm a little unsurprised to hear that answer, but I think it's a great one. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yes, you don't, you don't have to apologize. I think Pretty it's a right. answer, like, And making sure that people understand what's going on and can use it to the best of its potential is, is always a good thing. You know, if everyone's lost to confuse and doesn't know how to configure a thing, like is the thing even worth it? Um, so I'm also uh, a big fan. Most of my good contributions at this point have been docs too, so... Yeah, I'm, I'm also like proud of the fact that like we have a, a good dedicated team at Starburst that helps us with the documentation and like accelerating that is also one of the things that me as a maintainer now enables me to be a much more efficient and ramp that up even more. And while I know that the Trino com documentation has come leaps and bounds since I started, I also know of a hundred things I still want to improve. So <laughs> it helps to to have a bit more leverage to make things happen. So the final planned question I had for both of you uh, is to give me a funny story you wanted to share with the world. James uh, has, has politely declined to share funny stories because the idea of a funny story that doesn't rustle some feathers might be a little tough to find in his experience. So, but we got the Bob Ross conversation out of the way. So I think that counts. Sure. But Manfred, I'm putting you on the spot. I, I want some humor. What's what's something funny that's happened? I, I thought that I shared already that uh, literally on the first day I became a Tina messed up. I thought that oh, yes, that, that's you're okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but like there's there's lots of things going on where uh, you know you you think you're doing great and then it's like oh yeah you you messed that one up and. Um, while that's not necessarily funny, it's always a good learning learning experience, and and I appreciate that. And like having the opportunity to work with others on the team to make mistakes together and learn from it, I think it's just that's fun. Yeah, it's everyone's going to make mistakes at some point, right? I think no one is perfect. is It's cliche, but incredibly true. Like, and and, and, and if you want to see funny stuff, you just have to look at our mess ups on the early Trina community broadcasts where me and Brian were fussing around with. 
like we like now we're using StreamYard, which is a great system that makes this very easy. But we were like fussing around with OBS and and green screens and transitions, and we we literally had entire Trino community broadcast episodes recorded where oh, only my sound worked and Brian's didn't and <laughs> stuff like that. So. <laughs> I didn't know about that. It was so, really tempting, by the way, to like just click the outro button there and interrupt you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that, there's a lot of funny situations where we're like, okay, well, we have to do that again. <laughs> but speaking of transitions. I thought that was pretty good, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so are you talking about a pull request now? We're going we're gonna to move on to our pull request of the episode. Um, so a little disclaimer ahead of time is normally our pull request of the episode is like this super flashy, very user facing new feature that like, you know, you set off fireworks and we brag about it and we want everyone to know and to use it and to try it out. We're like, look at this crazy cool thing. Um, but that's not a great representation of most of the work happening in Trino on a day to day, week to week, or even month to month basis. Um, it really is a lot of the incremental performance improvements, changes, tweaks, adjustments, bug fixes that keep the project as good as it is and make it better. Um, it's it's about making those little incremental changes uh, to keep up with other query engines, to keep up with competing engines that are very similar, such as Presto. I think the velocity of these improvements is, is what sets Trino apart a lot of the time. Um, I'm blanking on the name of it. Manfred, what's the name of the, the whole initiative to do this? Is it Project, Project Hummingbird? Yeah, where we're taking this big initiative to just make a bunch of small changes. Like, there's not going to be one big grand thing to show off at the end of Project Hummingbird, but Trino will be faster. Like, the benchmarks will run a little quicker, and when you go and ask what pull request did it, it's like, well, you know, it was these 130. Like, <laughs> and they're all different, but they all do it. But so... With James as our uh, new maintainer and uh, major code contributor to Trino, we've decided today to make our pull request of the episode a performance improvement that James contributed just a couple months ago. James, do you want to walk us through this? Sure, sure. Uh, let's see. So this is a performance improvement to, uh, I think the PR says top end row number and rank. Uh, it also is a performance improvement for any top end. So if you also just have a top level select uh, with an order by and a limit, uh, the same machinery ends up being invoked here. So it generally benefits uh, all of the sort of top end operations. Um, and the observation that or the, the intuition behind this change basically is that whenever you're doing one of these sort of top ends, uh, you do need to inspect every row uh, that goes in as input. Um, and then you, the, the standard solution for this is that you then maintain a heap of the current top end. Um, and so for every row, you try to compare it to the current top. And if it is, uh, if it belongs in the heap, because it is one of the end that will be selected at least for the time being, uh, then you have to do a whole bunch of accounting about which rows are currently in which slot within the heap um, and are actually used versus which rows are not currently used in uh, Trino's internal data structures. Um, and then periodically, you know, as rows get pushed out of the heap by other rows, then you need to do cleanup and compaction, which uh, reduces memory overhead, but does add some CPU cost. Um, so when you have a selected top end, whether that's row number rank, uh, anything, so 
that means that most rows do not end up in the top n. You know, you're discarding a lot of rows because there's n rows that rank higher than them. Um, you don't need to do all of that initial bookkeeping up front about which rows are referenced and where they are in the heap, um, and that you can instead find the first row that would get inserted into the heap, the first row that is in the top end. Um, so for queries that have a very selective top end, you can avoid a whole bunch of bookkeeping work um, in tracking which rows are currently referenced, where they are in the heap by not inserting them into the heap, um, but instead looking to find the first position that would get inserted. And if you find that none of the rows in the current page of data that you're attempting to insert uh, actually do belong in the heap, then you can avoid the overhead altogether. Um, and so the performance improvements here uh, for top end row number and top end rank, which were the easiest ones to benchmark that you know had pre-existing benchmarks there, uh, showed between 15% or 50% improvement on the top end. Assuming you have a very selective top end where you're selecting like the top one row, um, either you know ungrouped or in a handful of groups, uh, that's where you're going to see the largest amount of improvement here. Um, and that improvement sort of scales with the amount of discarded rows. So the more rows that are being discarded overall within the query shape and the longer it's running, then the more this change will benefit those query patterns. Oh, that's crazy. That's awesome. And we were talking about large percentages. 50% is crazy. <laughs> like, that's in a so micro benchmark. In a nice. micro benchmark. So, yeah, I, yeah, and I understand 50 that. 50% like, overall. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if you're taking like the top three rows of like 100,000 is when you're going to see 50%. But like people will do that sometimes. And then that query will be a lot faster. So, um, well, sure. I think, in fact, it's a, it's, it is a very common thing, right? Like in like, anything where like the sales or any sort of accounting involved, you want to know the top performing things of something ordered by what, like some criteria, or you want to get the latest of something, you automatically end up with these kind of top whatever queries pretty quickly. So um, it's probably pretty common and has a big impact on users, I think. So I have a, I have a silly question is, is this is normally in window functions, right? No, it's like a query where like you go is, select whatever. Is this just order by limit? Yeah. This, so this is an abstraction that's shared between window queries for row number rank, uh, as well as just top level like order by with limits. So the same okay. abstraction gets used for both. So the improvement would affect all of them. Okay. I think our release yeah. note ended up being a little wrong about this then. Someone told me this impacted window functions and I believe them. <laughs> it, it, it does affect window functions in the top end row number and top end rank are like are expressed as windows, but it also affects not. Yeah, it functions. affects anything where you're selecting, like you're sorting and trying to pick the yeah. whatever it is, top, top end. <laughs> I guess that's why we call mm -hmm. it that, huh? Yeah, so also that's interesting for people that play around with this and run these queries. When you do an explain plane in Trino, they show up as top end. So you have a query that so, says limit order by something, it will show up as a top end like step in the query plan. That's why the naming is like that. Yeah, and I, I just like to highlight that, you know, like there's no like SQL top end construct. It's it's a little under the hood, but nonetheless. Well, it's, it's the there. weird thing is in some non-ANSI databases, there yeah. is a top something. It's actually... um commonly used a top end function is used as a a motivating example for polymorphic table functions so um you can find it there i think oracle has it so but yeah we have it too it's just you have to write the query in a slightly different shape so 
Well, it's called anti seeker standard, right? <laughs> yeah, we actually, we actually do it like according to that book that those people in is it like Switzerland is where anti is based. <laughs> well, anti is American national standard. Is so. it? Hold on. The European one is ISO, like the standard. Yeah, I'm thinking of ISO. Yeah, yeah, ISO yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they tell us how we format our dates and stuff. Yeah, you Americans always get that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> my, my bad not knowing my standards organizations. Um, yeah, it's all good. But yeah, that's all. Awesome. Thank, thank you very much to James and Manfred. Um, I think that ends the, the script that I had planned for today. Well, there's definitely one very important thing we need to talk about because you and me, Cole, are very busy organizing that. And I'm sure lots of people in our audience will appreciate it. And maybe even James will watch. Yes, I'm I'm trying to get my screen set up for it right now. Uh, hold on one moment. There we go. Yeah. If you're unaware, coming up in just a couple months in June is Trino Fest. Um, this is going to be an all-virtual event. It is a successor to... Cinco de Trino from last year, um, hosted by Starburst. It's going to be June 14th and 15th, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern, both days. We're breaking it up onto two days because no one really wants to sit and watch eight hours of content straight. Um, no one has the attention span for that, so spreading it out on two days makes it a little more digestible, a little easier to tune into the things you want to tune into. Um, so if you'd be interested in viewing any of the sessions there, you can go ahead and sign up. I think we're going to be publishing a few of the talks, or at least who's going to be talking later today or on Monday. Um, so stay tuned for that. Um, if you have a talk you want to submit, then you can do that by clicking here or going to the Trino website. Um, and this will take you to Sessionize where you can submit your talk. And I love our branding with Commander Bun Bun in an inner tube under an umbrella on a beach. I think this is just the perfect vibes for... Uh, like how summer camp <laughs> yeah manfred do you have anything to add to that um i'm just very excited because um we gotten a couple of speaker proposals already and some of the topics look very very interesting uh especially also for users in the larger ecosystem when it comes to you know connectors like we had the last episode about the ignite connector and there's more things happening in the Trino ecosystem with new connectors all the time and i think they're just very cool how they're enabling new use cases, right? Like um, often if you're like on a specific database and there's no Trino connector, then you end up stuck in that system and like you have to do all sorts of gymnastics to solve your business cases because your data is always gonna be in different places, right? So when a new connector comes in for Trino, it's always very exciting. And I know there's some coming on on the way that's we're gonna hear about in the community. And on the Trino Fest, that's going to really be cool. And on the other side of the sort of like Trino side of the cluster, there's also some really cool developments happening on the client tools, specifically in the Python ecosystem. And I'm not going to say what's going on, but I'm going to say you have to register for Trino Fest because it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I was going to hint at uh, Python clients if you didn't. So feature <laughs> <laughs> <Beat you> to <laughs> it. <laughs> We're excited about that for sure. Yeah. Um, but in any case, Thank you, Manfred, for being my co-host and also a guest of the episode. James, thank you for coming on to be a guest. It was a pleasure talking to both of you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Same. And uh, we will see you next time. I believe we are still trying to figure out what our next episode will be a few weeks oh, from now. Oh, we have lots of things to talk about. We have many different things that it could be, so it'll be good no matter what. But um, if you do want to come on as a guest on the Trino 
community broadcast or speak at Trino Fest, make sure you contact us. You'll find yep. us on Slack. We're always easy to find on the Trino Slack. So thank you all for tuning in and uh, enjoy the rest of your Friday. Music for the show is from the Mega Man 6 gameplay album by Shishtaf Swabikowski. Don't forget to give us a star on the Trino repository at github.com forward slash TrinoDB forward slash Trino. And for more information on future shows and to find show notes, check out trino.io forward slash broadcast.